trigger warning, this episode contains conversations around suicide and self-harm. Welcome to our podcast. This is the podcast which dives into the topic of mental health with me, Venus Libido. And me, Natalie Byrne. We are researching by collecting the conversations and attempting to give solutions. Hi, my name is Natalie Byrne. And I'm Venus Libido. We are both illustrators who make work around social issues. We have had our own journeys and battles with mental health. Today we are talking about men's mental health, which I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah! Um, And we are joined by the lovely Dan Taylor, who is a 27-year-old third-year student at the University of Westminster studying journalism and also the president of the LGBTI Plus Society for the University. That's a bit of a mouthful. That is a bit of a mouthful. Did I say it right? (laughs) LGBTI. It's always hard to get it all in, isn't it, in the right order? Yeah, well, we added um, the I in a few years ago because we had an intersex student called Anik, uh, who is um, actually quite a famous intersex uh, individual now. He's done documentaries for the BBC and done lots of stuff recently. Um, I think it's called The Intersex Diaries, so that's really interesting. I think I've seen that. So we added that, I say we added that for him, but obviously he brought it to our attention that the I was important. Yeah, of course. Um, part of the anagram and then obviously adding in the plus because we felt like at the same time you need to kind of encompass yeah. as many people as possible because yeah. obviously like many societies it was just the LGBT society for a long time mm-hmm. and really that's not representative of the whole community. No, totally, yeah. That's really amazing that, you know, he that person felt brave enough to come forward and say something as well so that it could mm-hmm. be changed. It's always like so important, isn't it? Yeah, super cool to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, how we normally start our podcast is we both go away and come up with some facts around the topic that we're discussing. So, um, I've gone away and I've got a little bit of an essay to read actually this time. Societal expectations, that is, the ways in which men and women have been traditionally expected to behave, may play a role in mental health. For men, societal expectations about how men should behave and what masculinity is include the expectations that men be breadwinners of the family and that they display what we have traditionally been perceived as masculine traits like strength, dominance and control. While wanting to feel and feeling strong and in control are not inherently negative things, more research suggests that it's reliant on these traditional ideas that what is meant to be a man may negatively imp- impact men's mental health, which mm. obviously is a good point to make. <laughs> that was good. I, I, I like. I felt all of that. Yeah, <laughs> it may. I think it's really interesting to look at the modern uh, perception of what a man is yeah. mm. over what yeah. a traditional man was, because I think it has come a long way. Yeah. I what think, do you think the, diff- the how it's changed? I think since. Uh, obviously it kind of became slightly vulgar in Mm. the 90s and early Mm. 2000s with -hmm. the rise of kind of lad mags and stuff like that where it was almost like society were telling you it's okay to masturbate in public or something (laughs) um, and kind of drool over women and catcall them in the street and that kind of thing and that suddenly became acceptable but I think in the last kind of 10 years particularly since the fall of that culture um, even though the culture's still around since the fall of kind of that magazine industry, yeah, I think the m- 
it's changed quite significantly where you had the rise of the metrosexual and where men were kind of allowed to kind of have emotions and feelings mm. and they were allowed to care about their image etc which yeah. obviously is a long way away from kind of the masculinity that our mm. fathers and grandfathers grew up with because they were very traditional when it was like they didn't really have to care what they looked yeah. like you know there were fashion trends and stuff that they might follow but the kind of the shape of their body the yeah. way they looked wasn't as important as it is now because of the rise of social media yeah um, it's kind of important to remember that it's not just women that have to deal with mm. those expectations men have to as well yeah. i think for me like because i wasn't always someone who was on social media it's only been like the last two three years i've put myself on it and i'm seeing a lot of change through that but f- but before that for me i think i really noticed the difference in terms of like that culture was when um really like high a-list celebrities were committing suicide uh, i mean men and like people were starting to think oh shit we this is an issue that we shouldn't be hiding we shouldn't mm. like this is something we should be addressing more so like you know heath ledger and robin williams and like all these people these incredible people who had mental health problems but never spoke up about them until they were gone and that's when I think me personally notice a change in the way that like society views men Mm. and men view each other would you agree Mm. with that yeah totally and I think it's so interesting to speak to someone who um, I mean you're still a student and I think I love hearing that the norms are changing and that I mean I think I have seen it change but it's nice that you have noticed this huge shift I guess with the generations because I think I'm 27 most of my friends are like 30 most of my male friends are like in their 30s and I still see that even though they're interested in feminism there definitely is a fear with showing emotion yeah. um, I think we have to remember a, a little bit that we are in the London bubble oh yeah and it is mm. different here and again I have to be aware I'm in the uni bubble which is very different to what it's like in the working world and you have to be conscious of that, I think, yeah. because mm. you can get carried away and think that all the norms have changed. It's all great. We're kind of in 2019 and we're mm. rocking. But as we've just learned, you know, through the rise of kind of Donald Trump and Nigel Farage, and yeah. kind of even the kind of hard right wing side of the Tory party, you know, it's not OK in yeah. the rest of the country. No, you, know, it's not. you only have to look at the issues in Birmingham. Um, in recent months with yeah. the teaching or the attempt to teach LGBT studies as a part of primary school curriculum so and awful. kind of the backlash on that and it's mm. and it's not just from the Muslim community that's what the press is reporting yeah. it's not no. just from that side of things there are a lot of people in the white community uh, that believe that that's wrong and that they shouldn't be teaching it that kids should be kids and all that stuff but it's okay to go oh do you have a girlfriend bobby you know that's cute you know but oh you know it's not oh you Mm. know bobby have you got a boyfriend because you know that's not acceptable in still big parts of society yeah definitely i think like as well even just like i'm not from london and like even now like grow like watching my brothers grow up and remembering back to like the way my parents spoke to them and like questioning their sexuality it was it's really funny to look back on it and think you did that in the wrong way mm. but not because it was there they did it on purpose or that it's just a lack of education around like how to 
address these things with your children you know because again people don't want their child to be anything other than straight from that generate from the older mm. generations and it's just like this is why these things need to be taught in schools and mm. be sent like even with just general mental health that the education needs to be beyond like the school and to the parents and mm. and how to handle these things but yeah definitely yeah i think that i wouldn't say the older generations necessarily always want their kids to be straight but um it's that they do have that kind of thought that it is easier yeah if yeah my kid is straight mm. they will have an easier life easier, easier life yeah um totally. and i think that is true to to a to a respect um but it's also very difficult to yeah. live your whole life alive which i'm sure Many there will be do. hundreds of thousands of men and women that have lived lives that they lived completely in the shadows because yeah. they couldn't be proud yeah. of who they are yeah i'm one of them <laughs> i like grew up knowing that i preferred girls and women and still like i know i'm in a relationship with a man which i wouldn't change because i i you know i adore him but I think if I was if I grew up with my parents saying that it was okay to like girls, I probably would be with a girl now. Mm. Yeah, we, we might not be, but yeah. you would at least mm. have had those, those experiences options. more openly. Yeah, um, but I was terrified. Yeah, I was terrified. Nobody else in my school spoke about it. My friends didn't talk about it with each other. It was like I had no one to talk to about it. And like, if I couldn't talk to my friends and I couldn't talk to my parents, then you just don't talk to anybody, do you? No. Yeah. Yeah, I think if it we need it to be taught in schools to set a standard that like this is okay to talk about and yeah, yeah I love I love to see it being taught in schools um, properly soon. It's a shame that the pushbacks happened in Birmingham, mm. um, but yeah, it's definitely important to address that it's not just coming from a religious um, background. It yeah. is a lot of white people in yeah. pushing back for that as well. Um, yeah. Is there? Do you have any other facts for us, Venus? Oh, okay. Um, so going on to like a bit of a dark side, I guess. Um, in Dive in. <laughs> <laughs> in 5,821 suicides were recorded in Britain. Of these, 75% were men. Um, suicide represents the largest cause of death for men under 50. I still, it still baffles me those statistics yeah whenever i read them i'm still like wow like why is this like not why, like what there's just something missing in like in society that we're just we can't grasp yeah i think and i'd be interested to see if if people have done research into this but i also do think there's something fundamentally missing in mm. men like chemically okay that, that stops them from dealing with their emotions properly because yes it is a societal thing but you know women don't often go around crying in front of people mm. they do it in their own bedroom you yeah. know or with their mum or something yeah. you know they'll do it in the private you know in, in private as it yeah. were um you know the kind of thinking that women are all emotional wrecks that break down you know mm. in public every time that something upsets them is is ridiculous um so we're not expecting men to just suddenly, you know, talk about their emotions yeah. and be open all of the time because that's unrealistic. But I almost feel like most men don't know how to deal with their emotions in any way. Right. Yeah. But I actually, um, I know a little bit to why um, society has kind of like shaped men in this way. Um, 
like before the factory and the, like the industrial revolution happened um actually men and and men would cry a lot like there's um victorian times like statues of men like crying about like this person like heartbreaking it was very accepted in society for men to wear makeup and to cry and then you know with the industrial revolution it was um they try they were basically trying to create factory workers that would be highly productive and for a man to stop and cry about their emotions they would get punished if they weren't being productive if they like held up the front lines and well, held up the queue or whatever and and then they would be punished or fired or get injured in the factory so they had these huge signs that said um it's the same for like coal workers um no crying like huge what? big signs I did yeah. not know this, this so is it was shaped it's shaped by our society with the industrial revolution um, if you go to like a V&A or like see statues of people during the Greek times, like men, it was really accepted for men to cry. Yeah. Well, it's accepted for men to sleep with men as well. In yeah, the yeah. Time. So it's weird how things have changed. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's and that blew my mind because I, I think like that's the reason why is to create really productive to thr- make the economy thrive. Because if you're crying you're not being productive and you're not making money we then very quickly went into wartime um yeah. after that where again you know Just be strong and be strong and, and mental health was obviously treated as you know some kind of disability yeah. um you know that there was they were ill there was something mm. wrong with them which obviously you know it's not the incorrect way of thinking about it because we've almost gone the other way now where we don't treat mental health as if it's a thing at all in some respects yeah mm. but obviously the way they were dealing with it back then was horrific because they thought that there was you know something yeah. fundamentally yeah. wrong with them because they didn't know how to treat it or whatever yeah but, um it is quite difficult i think to to find the balance and i don't i think we're getting there but i still think the way the society needs to catch up uh, in, in able to be um, mm. to have the infrastructure to deal with it I think yeah and the funding needs to catch up with it as well mm. yeah but the statistic that you put is interesting because obviously it says that it's men under 35 um, and I know from personal experience that that's it's not capped at 35 no. men don't just stop committing suicide but it's obviously that later in life men have health issues that kind of bring that yeah people have health issues that then brings that percentage down yeah um but you know i've people my i've i've known i know of people that my that my dad knows that mm. have committed suicide and it you know baffles him yeah um, yeah uh, where the area where i live there's a lot of a lot of people when i was at school they're dad committed suicide on their mum but mainly their dads yeah you know we live there's a woods behind our house and every other month every couple of months there was a new story and we live in like a really you know it's a really boring town with not a lot going on I guess and you know there's no there was no one talking about mental health and there was not really any funding there's not really any funding for it when I lived you know back home it was months and months waiting and I just think, yeah, it's just that it's crazy. But yeah, that statistic of like capping it there. Like even just looking at my dad, like he has his days where he's like, I just don't want to be alive today. And that takes a lot for him to say that to us as a family. And he's like in his 60s and you just think, well, I don't know what 
there is for me that I can do to say like this will help you do you know what I mean I don't know what I don't feel like I'm educated enough to know that for someone of his age what would work for him yeah almost as a as a way of like as a solution because I know what works for me but for someone of his age I think what can I say to you yeah no I think I know that you know my dad we're very open in the family about talking about mental health and um you know we I we all have different ways of dealing with it Mm. um and you know my dad's you know admitted that he's had issues before and he's very good at talking to people that that go through hard times Mm. um you know and he's he's kind of got an open door policy that you can come and talk about anything with him um because in some ways he can relate probably um but that's really nice that's lovely yeah but to kind of to kind of see whenever he's going through a hard time it's really tough um and his is always about work and money money it's always money isn't and it? about those things that fundamentally are supposed to be man a man's job yeah which, the breadwinner job the breadwinner and yeah. which is kind of a ridiculous notion because for a lot of their marriage my mum was the breadwinner yeah mm. um you know it wasn't until kind of later in life that my dad kind of overtook mm. um you know whereas my mum was kind of more happy to just kind of staying where she is she didn't have ambitions you know to kind of move up in the industry or whatever she was quite happy doing what she was doing the money was sufficient enough and obviously my dad did in time overtake um so you know it seems almost strange that he has those worries Mm. but then that's because he has a house to um to run and even though my brother and i are old enough to stand on our own two feet now he has a desire to make sure that there's always a home for us to come back to. Yeah, of course. He mm. wants to always make sure that he yeah. can look after us, even though I'm almost 30. Oh, yeah. Once you have you kids, know. like people say, oh, once they turn to 18, it's all that's it. It's, once you have children, it's for life. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm almost 30. You know, yeah. not that well. I'm, I'm saying almost, you know, I'm <laughs> far enough away, but it's not, not got to plan my party yet. But, you know, I'm almost 30 and he's, you know, it's always still like, you'll always have a room here. Yeah. You know, because I just keep telling them, just just go get a one bedroom place or a two bedroom place even. Mm. You know, don't worry about us. We would find, you know, we would find yeah. a way. But even just, well, you know, what, what would we do at Christmas? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. where would you stay? Oh, you know, I think so lovely, that though. comes into their mind and, you know. So yeah, I think it it does affect a lot of older men, and you know we're, it's great that we're talking about the effects it has on the effect it has on young people, but ignoring what it does, what, what it has to older people is damaging as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean you both talked about your dad, so I can I can talk about my dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is. Um, uh, <laughs> um, we we don't get on that much well, uh, but he's definitely got mental health. He has depression, um, definitely uses alcohol to uh, work through that depression. Um, And we have very, very different political views. And, um, but it still hurts to see him sad and unmotivated and he doesn't talk. He's the kind of like stiff upper lip, not necessarily like a laddie lad. He's quite timid and shy, but he's a builder and he comes from that kind of community and and all his friends are builders so they have this very masculine well not masculine isn't bad but it's you know this traditional way of what a man is what a man does what a man says 
and um, he's like he 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 finds it very very hard to speak about his emotions, mm. and I think when there's a couple of times when like maybe Dumbo's come on and oh he can't he like you, you see him like tearing up and he has to walk out the room immediately <laughs> he's like I'll go for a cigarette <laughs> but like he finds it even just like a, a, a film where you're meant to kind of be like processing the emotion mm. he finds it so hard to let people see him that way and um which is funny because my mum is a South American, very, very emotional, doesn't have a problem crying in like any public area. So there's this, this growing up in this really opposite parenting, which um, culturally, you know, I think they've has has influenced how they show emotions. So mm. I don't know. I think it's been really good to have my mum there to be. She's always been like yeah. to my brothers, quite like you know, uh, he's a musician and and. A creative soul so he was encouraged to show emotion and I think that definitely came from my mum yeah. um, but I think having the balance between them but it's tough to see my dad definitely it's, it's really hard and they say like mental health issues can also affect um, like you know heart failure early and on all of these things they, they oh, yeah. affect each other mm-hmm. so um, yeah it's, it's, it's nice to see the generational change between my brother and my dad yeah um and yeah i'm i'm always like i don't know how i would even tackle yeah my dad this is a, this is like a thing going into one of the other facts is that men are more likely to use and die from illegal substances or substance abuse mm-hmm. but again you talking about your dad and his like addiction with alcohol and my dad drinks a lot probably like to numb those feelings as well but it's sad that that kind of generation do turn does turn to that kind of thing, and more men. Because and it's again, so accepted, like alcohol yeah. drinking is just so accepted so it's, in this country. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I don't think that's stopped though. I, I know yeah. from my own personal experience that's how often how yeah. I deal with my own emotions yeah. because um, it's just it's not always about the alcohol. It's about wanting to be around people. Um, mm, not wanting to be mm. on my own um, when I'm at my worst I absolutely don't want to be around anyone yeah. um, but like you know sometimes if something bad happens I just like yeah I want to go for a drink Just do you, you know. drink alone when you're feeling that down uh, there was a time where I did mm-hmm. um, I lived in North Norfolk for uh, 14 months basically I used to work for an independent cinema company mm. uh, so I would kind of go wherever was, was needed and I was in Cromer in North Norfolk for 14 months and while I was there I felt incredibly isolated not only from my friends and family but also from colleagues yeah. you know because they were so far away mm. um, so I was very much isolated and very on my own I was very lonely and the hours were, were, were stupid as well obviously you know cinemas operate mostly evenings and weekends mm. so you know I was waking up at midday and, and kind of going to work in the afternoon and not finishing till midnight and my days off would be kind of sporadic you know quite often would be kind of a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever so the only place I knew where to meet anybody was the pub right and so my days off were at the pub my okay. nights if I finished early were at the pub uh, and the only people that I knew in there were people that I knew through mm. that pub and yeah I drank an awful lot uh, it had a negative effect on my mental health but also my physical health uh, I probably put on about three stone in that time um, I was 
around 17 to 17 and a half stone, um, which is the heaviest I've ever been. Mm. Um, and within months of coming home, I lost a lot of that. Um, you know, it, it took time for it to come off, but you know, it, it came off and I was happier generally because I was around people. Um, and it's not just the fact of being away, you know, I'm in London, my family are in Devon. So, you know, I am, you know, three, four hours away from them, but it's a different atmosphere. It was, it's a different environment. Yeah. Um, I'm able to find friends here. You know, I'm able to surround myself with like-minded people. Um, whereas up there I was completely on my own and I was also still in the closet at the time as oh, well. So okay. that was a diff- another thing that yeah. I was dealing with at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was incredibly hard and definitely alcohol. Um, you know, I definitely was drinking alone. Mm. Um, you know, I remember watching the Doctor Who uh, 50th anniversary episode mm. in the living room and I drank a whole, like, bottle of whiskey oh, wow. while watching that what, that evening on my own. Um, yeah. Because, you know, obviously I was like, oh, well, you know, I would love to share that. You know what? In my, I guess in my head, I was like, I want to share this moment and this experience with friends, but I can't. You can't. You yeah. know, I'm on my own. And so I guess the only way to deal with that was to kind of drink away the problems and drink fall asleep away, on the yeah. couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, loneliness has such a, is such a, such an epidemic right now. And the podcast is called The Loneliness <laughs> Collaboration. But yeah, we both started to get close with one one another after opening up about how we felt like lonely yeah so yeah loneliness is such um it can really suck and you were like environmentally like actually away yeah. from your community and, and your friends um and that's really tough mm. yeah i'd love to talk about you coming out and how all that exper- experience affected your mental health? I think that'd be really important to talk about. Um, so I actually didn't come out until I was 23, Okay. I think. Um, you know, I had relationships with women when I was younger. So, um, you know, I kind of did the kind of usual high school dating kind of thing in, in school. And um, I think my last girlfriend was about was around 18 I think and it, you know it was nothing serious it was nothing to write mm. home about you know I certainly, <laughs> I certainly didn't introduce it to my parents okay. or anything like that um you know I'm a very private person in that way in that regard anyway um but I think even back then I knew but it was very difficult because um you know particularly those experiences were like well I didn't dislike them like you know I didn't it wasn't like oh I thought vaginas are gross or you know that I'm just not attracted to women that at all Uh, so it was confusing Mm. um, Mm. because I thought oh maybe you know at first it was like oh maybe everyone has these thoughts and then they just go away Mm. yeah and then it was that there was and there was a fear that I didn't want to be gay Um, which I don't really know where that comes from. Yeah, I was going to say, where did that come from? But you'd, if you don't know, then... Um, because it's so steeped into every f- fragment of society. Yeah, because my parents are very open-minded. Mm. Uh, I know I know from conversations that my dad wasn't before we were born. Um, okay. Wow. But basically, my cousin, who is two years younger than my mum, I think, um, so her nephew is gay, 
um and i i know he had a really hard time coming out and accepting himself and um he certainly did a very very similar thing where he came to london to kind of explore that part <laughs> of his life i guess um and but through knowing him that changed my dad's views completely my dad's from the northeast he's from newcastle he was you know born and raised in in biker grove <laughs> um so um the anton decker thing yeah. so you know that was steeped into his own um kind of mind and he didn't have any experiences of gay people um growing up uh, so but through knowing my cousin um and through marrying my mum he obviously his views changed and he became a lot mm. more open-minded and a lot more liberal um in his thinking and um you know so by the time i was kind of going through those things in my head he was completely okay with it but i still thought he wasn't if you know what i mean i was still worried that he wasn't and um which is hilarious because when i came out he was the one that was completely okay with it <laughs> like he just gave me a hug and said i love you and i don't care uh, whereas my mum had lots of questions <laughs> <laughs> what are the questions i wanted uh, well, because basically she didn't get it so like i identify more now as Pansexual, pansexual yeah. which means right. that I'm attracted to male, female, um, non-binary, transgender. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, matter. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Like a person is just a person. Um, and I feel like there's percentages to it sometimes. Mm, yeah. But, um, you know, that's to do, I don't know, that's just kind of nothing that I can put my finger on. And it does kind of fluctuate mm. depending on where I am in my life, I guess. Um, uh, but I came out as bisexual to them um, and to lots of people because that was a term that they understood and I didn't really know about pansexuality yeah. at that time you know this was what four years ago maybe more um, and I only was introduced to the LGBT community in its kind of extent until I moved to London mm. it was through being a part of the society that I learned more about myself and about every you know and about kind of the world yeah and the community so i came out as bisexual my mum didn't really understand she was like mm. so are you so so what does that mean so what does that mean <laughs> like you know and i'm like well i'm glad i didn't come out as pansexual because then i thought i was attracted to like jamie oliver pans or something um you know but she was like so so you know will you have a girlfriend or you know yeah will it be a boyfriend and i was like oh, i don't know you know <laughs> you know as much as me mother yeah exactly um you know, and obviously she wanted to know like how long I knew and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, like she was kind of I felt I think she felt like, Oh, why didn't he feel like he could speak to me and that mm. kind of thing? Um But and I do feel like it's difficult for my mum because she's incredible and you can talk to her about anything and my dad's the same. Uh but both me and my brother are very I don't know what's the word stoic i guess maybe in the fact that we the way we deal with our emotions is on our own yeah um it's a very personal thing and it's not that i don't want to share it with them it's that quite often i don't want to put that on burden them, them with it yeah and the biggest struggles i've had with mental health is i actually don't know what's wrong Okay. Some of the time, mm. or in fact, most of the time, I'm down and I don't know why. Are you still like that now? Uh, in terms of you, you can't put a finger on what the yeah. mental health is. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think there are elements. 
I think it's loneliness and wanting someone to share my life with mm. because if something exciting happens the first person I call is my mum mm. and I'd really like that not to be the case <laughs> like, I'm, right I'm sure my mum doesn't, sure doesn't want to know that um, I'm sure she still would like to be the first person on the list but it would be nice for her to be the second <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I feel you because I've never been in a long term relationship I've never experienced what that feels like mm. and you know I see everybody around me you know particularly because I'm slightly older so I've got people that are my friends from school or friends growing up that are either married or married and having children or in a long-term relationship and are definitely thinking about marriage mm. my brother who is three years younger who is in a four-year relationship mm. and but all these people live out of London right yeah they all live out of London um, yeah. and then I'm, I'm here in London I'm here at uni and I've got friends who are you know who make it look so easy mm. you know they go from relationship to relationship yeah um and i see the same on social media as well you know you you'll see somebody and they'll have uh they'll be dating you know joe blogs one minute and then two weeks later they'll be dating someone else yeah. and you'll be like how do you, how how is that possible i feel like this is definitely a problem within london though because same with me like all my friends back home in Southampton are either getting married having kids or in very long term relationships and as soon as me and my partner like we've been together for eight years but as soon we were together for like four years and then we moved to London and our relationship really struggled Mm. like we nearly broke up and that was going to be the end of us and it was all because of the pressures of London Mm -hmm. and like just generally like money like living together and you know the constant active lifestyle of being in London and drinking and going to the pub and socialising with other people and Mm -hmm. it really did tear us apart so I think it's something to do with like the London bubble again isn't it like and people having finding it hard to be in long term relationships with each other and settling down because settling down is not so achievable in London no yeah. No, exactly, because, you know, you think about, oh, should we save for a deposit on our house? Yeah, <laughs> you just can't do that. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but but also as well, like, I, I, I'm I, I'm single. And uh, I'm ready to mingle. I'm seeing, like, everyone around me in relationships, and I have to remind myself that, like, so many people come out of relationships and they you end up finding out that that was abusive or manipulative and it's so easy to look at the world in like rose tinted glasses yeah. with like oh, everyone's happy and I'm alone um yeah. and I I the way that I work through it is just like remember like you never know what reality is of someone's relationship and yeah it sucks but like yeah I know I know what you mean of like seeing everyone around you kind of like and being in a different place mm-hmm. um definitely do want to also not have my mum be the first person I like to (laughs) to have to tell news to (laughs) why have you now Venus yeah Yeah. I think it's just because we live in like a generation where we're constantly comparing ourselves to each other oh yeah and things like fucking Love Island and all Mm. these stupid reality TV shows where you know you're watching people fall in love so quickly and it's just like well why is that not happening to me like yeah relationships and love and all that kind of thing couldn't have been further from my mind you know five ten years ago because I didn't even know who I was back then but now I'm in a place where I know who I am you know I'm not completely happy with myself but I'm working on it yeah um and I'm ready to kind of let myself let other people in yeah um and that's a pretty recent thing. That's only kind of the last that's year incredible or so. Though. Like, I think learning yeah. to love yourself so then other people can love you is such a big, 
hurdle to get over. Yeah. Like, it took me to the age of, like, 25 to realise that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's still, you know, there are still lots of things about myself that I don't like. Mm. Um, so, relationship issues or just being let down, I guess, by, like, people, I guess, is my is the biggest part of my mental health yeah. issues now is... And it's not just partners, it's friends as well. Oh, God, gotcha. Letting you down and making you feel like you're on your own. And you think, is it me? What have I done wrong? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, for example, just bringing this out. Uh, so I've been chatting to this guy for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was going great. And we were talking about going on a date at the end of the month when he'd been paid. Um, and it was... You know, it was like a lot of the conversations were very silly, like just kind of being like, oh, you know, where would we get married and what would our children be called? All silly stuff for someone that's, you know, people that I've never met. Um, But it's all kind of, in my mind, leading in the right direction where, you know, obviously you're not actually going to know where it's going to work until you meet each other. But it's all kind of like you're on the same kind of wavelength. You can kind of have that kind of kind of fun. Um, And then just. You know, and obviously I've been having a great time. You know, the last two weeks I've been doing an internship um, and got my kind of first paid freelance job and everything's kind of going great. And then over the weekend, when I'm supposedly doing this first paid job and finishing my internship, he just starts not messaging back. Oh, fuck. And so I'm like, you know, wait, you know, I've been ghosted here. Like, mm. what What am I doing wrong? And, he, yeah. and he's been kind of deflecting it up until you know, yesterday where I went, okay, now this is bullshit. Like, yeah. I don't know, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, well, I just already said fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, where I was like, you know, what is going on? Like, mm. what has changed? You know, yeah. And I just don't know. And it's like, and that seems like a recurring theme in my life. <laughs> I uh, think that's so life. relatable. I, I feel yeah. that I get that all the time. All the time people ghost on me. So honestly, like you're not in it alone. Like no. ghosting is such a issue here and and what I even tried to my friend recently got like ghosted and I was talking to him like you never know what's going on through that that person's mind and I, it's, it's an awful thing to feel and to sit in the emotion of like, oh my goodness, I was talking to this person every day for so long yeah. and now they've just disappeared. Exactly. Mm. And it was getting you know we were talking about that thing of wanting someone else to tell other than my other than your mum mm. and like I was telling him stuff like that like that I was you know I told my mum first but like yeah, I was getting was, to the point where yeah. I was telling him after my mum yeah. like before I'd even told my friends kind of mm. thing um, and that was only on Friday and it just seems like you know things change and I, I went about it in like I didn't initially just be like what the fuck man like it was mm. like is everything okay like has something happened yeah. you know you know is there something going on you know, because we can talk about it, and he kind of like, no, no, don't be doing anything. You know, um, you know, oh, I've been really bored. I've just been lying in bed, and I'm like, well, that's exactly the time when I'm bored. I'm stuck to my phone. Yeah. You know, it's when I'm doing stuff when I'm working that I'm yeah. not. So it just it's seems really weird. frustrating, isn't it? It's so frustrating. It's such a. You just have to remember that you're not alone, and yeah, that you're not so alone. many people go through that, mm. and also you never like it's so tough to have empathy for someone who's like hurt you but that's how our uh, 
it's it's nice that you went straight to like being worried about like is something wrong because that's like I do that I'm like worst case scenario yeah. oh my god they've been hit by a train or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then because it shows how empathetic you are and that you have a big heart and yeah. honestly if someone is how I approach it, approach it is if someone's going to treat me like that and not text me then like glad I know now rather than like a year down the line and to find out that they're you yeah. know what I mean but yeah. <sighs> good point to make you're not alone <laughs> it's like the, the the highs and lows of the technology mm. dating stuff. mission to give the world a shake one tampon at a time. They create 100% organic biodegradable tampons bespoke to the individual and delivered straight to your door. And they also make CBD oil. We have partnered up with ON to give our listeners a free box of tampons. Choose your tampon type, absorbency, range and quantity when you sign up via their website. Just head over to www.on.co and use the code TLC at checkout. On was born out of a passion for women's health, and so every month when you subscribe to On, they donate 5% of revenue to the girls' programme run by the school club in Zambia. On tampons are the only tampons I use, not only because their branding and packaging is beautiful, but because I don't get cramps when I use On tampons, which goes to show what kind of effect these chemicals can have on our body. Grab yourself a free box now, and you'll be so excited for your next period. That's O-H-N-E dot C-O. And enter TLC at checkout for your free box. makes us think that people are doing things all oh the time oh my god we're not yeah. and we think that that's what we should be doing we think yeah. that when we're sat at home watching EastEnders everyone else is having a great time yeah that everyone else is having a great time and that we should be doing something and that's actually not true and t- yeah. I do have to remind myself that all the time Yeah, you know that it's okay to sit and play The Sims yeah, yeah. I do that with you all the time yeah. I look at your stories I'm like oh she's doing shit why am I not doing shit and I'm like no it's fine because then I'm sure she's doing the same thing when I'm doing stuff and you're not you didn't see me crying on the floor <laughs> <laughs> like, I went to this like festival thing and I had to do something for a client I had to like, literally pull out in the middle of this like conference thing just sit on the f- concrete floor and like work <laughs> I was like half crying like <laughs> like you don't, you don't we don't see like those bits no, we don't see yeah, that the, yeah. the, the low was the low lights we only see the highlights yeah <laughs> funny um so going back to like your mental health have you ever had therapy with your mental health? I've had 
CBT. Okay. Woo. And did you find it easy to access and did you know where to go? Reasonably. Yeah. Yeah. And was uh, this in London? Uh, no, this was in Devon. Okay. Um, the uh, the GP, or my, pre- he's, he's only just not been my GP, but my GP for most of my life was mm. the GP that birthed me. Oh, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so he's obviously been in part of my life you know, they're not close like some people mm. are with the doctors. You know, he's been a part of my life, and uh, and he was very supportive. But CBT didn't help me at all. No, it didn't help me. Um, you know, it what was, is CBT? Uh, just for our listeners, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I. And so when everyone goes, oh, they just put me on CBT. I'm like, good luck. Oh, I, I really liked it. Did you? Yeah. But I have anxiety. I don't okay. know if it's... Yeah. I mean, everyone's mental health is so different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, mine was about depression, lack of motivation, mm. lack of self-worth, that kind of thing. Um, you know, body image was a massive thing. And so, you know, so, and it just felt like I was being advised by somebody who didn't really know what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, right. Like, they were just like, oh, just go, go play some tennis or something. Oh, really? Basically, they were just like, be active. That was their advice. Go and do the thing you can't do, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, I can't get off the couch. You know, you're lucky I'm here. Like, mm. just... Um, but that didn't work. And I considered medication, but I ultimately found that I don't think it would probably have worked for me either. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my dad's had medication. Um, or I believe he's had medication. And he's somebody that doesn't like taking medication doesn't even really take paracetamol yeah mm-hmm. um he in recent years because there's a back in the issues and stuff like that he has started taking more yeah um but i would say probably up until his kind of 40s he probably didn't ever take any kind of medication um so i guess that's partly ingrained in me that it doesn't really work yeah so i never yeah. really gave it a chance but i also didn't want it to ever alter my own way of processing yeah um i didn't want to certainly didn't want to end up in a place where it was changing my personality right okay which would always be which is always a worry for me yeah see i'm the same like i will i have never taken i don't even like taking paracetamol i don't like to take tablets oh i love paracetamol i just don't (laughs) like to put it into my body and i've always like so when i my mental health was really bad and they wanted to pick medication. I was so, like, weary of, like, what it was going to do to me. And again, like you, I didn't want it to alter me in any way or, like, my mood or my personality. But now I am, I have to be on it because my anxiety and my depression was so bad and um, I was, like, diagnosed with a personality disorder. But people were like, you're so much better on it. You're such a nicer person <laughs> to be around. But then I feel like that's completely changed me in a way, yeah. whereas, like... I can notice, like, some days I'm really not who I think I am. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it really has changed my entire being, being on this medication. Yeah. So I get where you're coming from when it's, like, I, f- I fear it now. Like, when am I going to come off it? Am I going to turn back into this person that nobody really likes? Because I have to come off it eventually. Mm. But, yeah, I see where you're coming from. It's almost like um, it makes me think about how my... When I went through my anxiety how that happened for so long that I felt like it was my identity yeah so if you take a medication yeah and it's almost changing yeah because that's the thing I think it's so hard for me to separate my mental health from me 
because yeah. they're just like they've yeah. always been they're there. just together yeah but I don't take medication but I know that it does really help a yeah. lot of people and mm. it's important too when you make a decision to make a decision that feels right for you yeah. and, totally. and go into everything try everything know, else for t- talking yeah. thinking about you know what you know because when you explained it it was really like you thought long and hard about mm. it which is important to um, to do I also feel like uh, sometimes it was a case of it's not as bad as other for other, it's not as bad as it is for other people. Right. Um, I don't really think I've ever had anxiety issues. Um, there are times where, like, if things are getting really pressured, like I remember on Sunday I was running the news desk on my own and it was literally I made it with seconds to go and my heart was going and I was getting really and I was getting anxious at that point and really worried I was going to it up and it was all going to go wrong but I, I never approach the situation like that I never I never mm. go in feeling anxious okay. or, or anything it's oh, just love that. it's more of a kind of a pressure thing yeah. like you know that most people probably would get that most people yeah. probably get and I've never I don't think I've ever seriously thought about suicide mm. it's certainly come into my mind but I've quickly Brushed pushed it away mm because I wouldn't want to leave my parents behind uh, and I'm also terrified of pain uh, <laughs> so I don't know how I would do it um, so I, again I've always felt like I'm not bad enough that I need to take medication um, yeah. you know and you know I've never been diagnosed with with anything other than depression um, and kind of low self esteem etc so for me it was like they they were never pushing it because as far as they were concerned I never had a big issue mm. they probably just thought I was really lazy <laughs> I don't uh, yeah I think it's maybe maybe they didn't think that I think that it's it's good that you weren't I guess they would have maybe pushed you into it if it was like a crisis yeah or they were worried it's when they're worried about your safety isn't it yes, mm. but they asked you that question have you ever thought about suicide mine was yeah. no so I probably automatically come off being considered really seriously for medication yeah. unless yeah you know unless that's a road that I want to go down personally and it wasn't um I guess the way I deal with it is when it's really bad um I just shut myself away and self-analyze it and try and work through it on my own yeah don't talk to people don't really eat don't Mm. you don't eat no I just or I eat too much um you know I just have a couple of days where I need to shut myself away and the worst times recently have been where I've I think I get it where I have changes of environment or just mm. big changes in general mm. so uh, I've been much better this Christmas but I remember last Christmas was horrible going back to Devon I was just depressed I was like it sucks here it's awful like it's just it's the same old crap day in day out you know and Christmas day I did have to shut myself away like I didn't want to be around people I didn't want to play silly games like I just wasn't in the mood Mm. Um, Christmas is such like a Christmas is the worst for for my mental health it reminded me of 
all of the reasons that I was unhappy before I left to come to London and stuff like that. Mm. But then I came back to London and I had the same for a week. So it was just the change, I think. You yeah. know, I, once I got out of that, I came, you know, yeah. it was like, oh, I'm really happy to be around my mum again. I'm really happy to be around friends. And so then I came back to London for a few days. It was like, oh, I miss those things. Like, I want the mm. best of both worlds. I want them yeah. and I want London in the same. It's the same situation as me. Yeah. I want to be in London, but I want also my family around me because that's my support network. Yeah. But I think it's really amazing and I think it's something that I recommend anyone with like struggling with their mental health is to like find that one thing that triggers their mental health it's worse like for you like you're being in different environments you know that now so you can prepare yeah prepare yourself for that yeah and this Christmas and actually this year I've been really good because Mm. I've always been excited to go home and tell people what I've been doing and you know I've always got that thing in mind where I'm, it's only two weeks till I go back or whatever yeah. you know so if I have a sucky night out it's a sucky night out at yeah. the end of the day it's just the way things yeah. is mm. um and yeah and then and then and coming back I just throw myself into stuff I yeah. make sure that I try and keep busy and and mm. that I just kind of enjoy myself and try not to think and overanalyze too much because quite often that's the root of it is me it's my brain overthinking everything yeah and mm. overanalyzing every tiny thing and every conversation that I have. Yeah. But, yeah. What's the um, support like here at your university in terms of mental health? <laughs> I've never had to access it myself. But uh, it, it, you, you have been, like, made aware of it being there. I'm Because it's something we spoke about mm. in I, some of our other podcasts. It's like, for me, when I went to uni, I didn't know that there was any kind of help. Yeah. I'm aware because I'm very actively involved with the student body. Yeah. Um, obviously through the LGBT society, LGBTI plus society rather, and through uh, working for the student union. Mm. So I'm aware it exists, but I also know it sucks. Okay. Uh, mm. I know people that have waited six, seven, eight weeks to see anybody. By that point, they could be dead. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. if you need access to mental health, you should ha- a mental health service, you should have it there and then. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And so, is it a lack of funding? It's a lack of funding. Be, yeah. It's a lack of knowledge. It's you know, it's there's the the vice chancellor uh, is very keen to change things. He's try he's this year he's worked with the student union massively to try and improve mental health services, etc. Mm-hmm. Particularly making sure that the sabbatical offices are better support networks in themselves yeah but there's such a long way to go you know and we're wasting money sending it to the nus which is a failing organization that quite Mm. frankly we should stop sending money to and instead invest that i think we i think it's fifty four thousand a month maybe maybe that's the wrong figure maybe it's a year i can't remember but it's a lot of money that we send, I, I probably is a year. Uh, <laughs> probably tell us. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> but it, lovely to know. Yeah, but it's still a lot of money that is sent to the wow. to the NUS every year. That just don't send it to them and put it into mental health services instead. Yeah. That would that would pay for a, a mental health professional's year, yearly salary. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, it would be a junior person because I, I think I did I think I did a little bit of research where juniors are on around forty to sixty thousand. Uh, a year but that would pay for a junior mental health professional to be here five days a week yeah you know and 
in order to because they obviously already have people but they're not here every day mm. you know we have five campuses to represent so they're not so, so many students so they should have someone here all the time yeah yeah, yeah each campus should have somebody and they, they don't um you know i don't even know if we have a nurse <laughs> I'm, I, sure, I, I'm sure you you must have an nurse. Must do. I don't know. Should we fall over downstairs? <laughs> Should we find out? See? Push me. Push me down <laughs> those bean bags down there. Yeah. I'd love that anyway. You know what? Do you feel has helped you, or what do you think? Even it doesn't even have to be like with your mental health. It could be about when you were coming out, or your you know you were talking about your body issues that you've had. Like what have been some solutions that worked for you? Uh, body image wise uh, Slimming World okay, really helped cool um, it's not for me personally uh, in the end I'm not a big group person <laughs> uh, as I kind of said I deal with a lot of things on my own yeah uh, but I can definitely see how that works for people and it's not a fad diet mm. scheme you know it's teaching you about how to live a healthier life and cook for yourself etc and I've taken those things into my kind of own teachings as it were I don't follow it like a plan anymore but that's the best thing about Slimming World isn't it It, like it's not strict it's you can go along to a group of people who just give you advice yeah Um, and and cooking for yourself is is, and cooking for yourself and giving you ideas and giving you like also giving you alternatives to things that you love yeah so cooking things that you love in a completely different way yeah. so you're not missing out on anything yeah you know if you want to have chicken fajitas which i adore i love mexican mm. food you can mm. have chicken fajitas just don't always have the wraps if you can avoid it because yeah. you know they're not great but you know it's giving you alternatives mental health wise again it's really difficult there are so many great charities and support networks out there um i think mind uk are really fantastic and do a really great job but they're you know their funding is mm. is limited yeah they can only help so many people and they can only help yep. uh in certain ways i think the best way i found is talking to people about it yeah when you say people do you mean friends family or do you mean people you don't know online it's a mixture i uh I am very active on Twitter mm-hmm. and I do find that lots of people get a lot out of talking to other people on there mm-hmm. because you don't necessarily have personal relationships with them. Uh, you might feel like you do sometimes because yeah. you know you know them through their online persona and through yeah. their life but you don't know them so you do have that kind of disconnect. Uh, I do find that I don't have an issue talking to anything but you know my friends know I'm very open about talking about anything mm. you know I will talk about anal sex on the tube I don't care <laughs> you know um, so we all should be yeah and me and my friends uh, are, are very open about you know being able to have those conversations yeah I know that's not the case for everybody no and I do know that my mum and dad I'm very lucky will always be there if I really <clears> need to talk to them I don't very often for some of the reasons that we've said know burdening and sometimes they're not understanding mm. and the feeling that sometimes you are the only person that's going through this yeah, yeah. um and the, your, the pe- your parents have the added thing of being a different generation so it's like mm. i'm the only one that's going through this and you're a different generation that you wouldn't understand yeah i know mm. that's not the case but yeah. when you're at your worst that's how it feels mm-hmm. so 
I think it's talking about it and surrounding people with the surrounding yourself with people that you can talk to Mm, exactly that were and and how it works for you if you want to pick up the phone and talk to Samaritans then talk to Samaritans yeah Uh, because those people actually probably know what they're talking about a lot more than your friends do yeah but if you've got the type of friends around you that can be support networks they're not going to give you advice but they're going to support you yeah then that's great Mm. i've found that definitely having particular people to go to talk to about different things like for my my mum even though her heart's in the right place because she doesn't have the education about mental health she can sometimes say the worst thing like when I went for a breakup she was like I don't know how you're ever going to find anyone as great as him again (laughs) that's what she said to me but she was because she was heartbroken with me as well um and so (laughs) and I just have to learn how like to go to different people I mean people's strengths and skills are are with different things and and I think yeah it's it's good to be aware of, of of um like I don't know that my first one is I'm really into everyone know if you listen to this podcast and know me I'm really into comedy and she I'm loves really to laugh. huh I love to laugh she loves to laugh <laughs> <laughs> your tag other than one day marrying James Acaster <laughs> my next favorite comedian at the moment is Larry Dean um Larry Dean is a Scottish stand-up comedian his comedy routines based on his gay and Scottish themes have en- earned him several awards including scottish comedian of the year i highly recommend going to watch him like he's amazing (laughs) um yeah so that's my first one my second one is i came across this instagram account i I was on like a sponsored thing and it's a company called muse and they make i was telling someone about this other day and i still can't wrap my head around what it actually means but it sounds fascinating and it's technology enhanced meditation and it, int- it translates your brain waves into sounds of weather giving you real time feedback on your mental state wow wow i don't understand what it means but it sounds fascinating and the, you get it's like a little headset like from like what they were in star trek i think i've seen this ad and like i just there's like people like who've been sent them and they're trying them out and they all say it's amazing so i need to get one yes I don't know how Muse, if you're out there, Muse, contact yeah. us. Muse, if you're out there. <laughs> Drop us a DM. I'd um, definitely try that. Yeah, <laughs> sounds really interesting. I'd it like sounds to, different. Like, yeah. I'd not even heard of anything like that before. I would like to know how how often I'm subconsciously raining. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think the sun would ever come out of my mouth. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're a ray of sunshine. You're a ray of delight. <laughs> Um, Natalie, do you have some takeaways? I have a YouTube channel that I've been obsessed with for ages and it's called uh, Just Between Us and it's like a comedy duo thing um, they do a lot of uh, like answering audience questions and they'll pull one out and they'll mm. do a whole like um, conversation deb- kind of debate about it which is like quite funny and it's just I love the banter between the, the two co-hosts and um, it's one of those things where I just feel so related to like one of them and mm. they'll talk about dating and they'll have a question like is it okay to talk to an ex and they'll like dive into deep into about it are they UK so based or? no they're California I think oh, they're okay. in, so they're both American and they both do their own stuff on the side which I both which I love as well but yeah I love I love they always just crack me up um, <laughs> so yeah just between us on YouTube cool do you have anything Um, I would say just following 
pe- using social media in a way that you follow people that are positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just as guilty of it following people that are not unobtainable, but like that aren't you, that don't relate to yeah. you because they are picture perfect because of they how they edit their photos, etc. And they only talk about the positive stuff. And I think it's following people that that also are positive, but let you into some of the negativity. That's the wrong way of saying it, but but let you into some of the more difficult subject the low lights, as well. the low lights as well. You know, so don't follow mm. James Charles or anyone like that <laughs> uh, unless you're currently following the tea. That's, All the tea. That's great. We can follow him and unfollow him. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. a lot of you don't even need recently. to follow him to watch the videos. It's great. <laughs> um, but people like Harry Evans, um, who Ooh. is on Instagram and Twitter, um, but he's great. He's just someone that's just just graduating from uni. Uh, massive. Lily Allen super fan uh, he's somehow friends with Kate Nash and runs right. her Depop and nice cool he's just a really great person and like I've, I've seen some of the stuff he's done with his LGBT society and I've like contacted him and been like yo Sick. like giving me some Harry advice. Evans was it Harry Evans okay. yeah um, you know he's like we I think he picked up like three or four awards from his university this year for kind of his contributions to student life and stuff and he's Amazing. just a really positive upbeat yeah genuine person like there's nothing fake or manufactured about it and he's great um so i definitely like check people like that out and get them on your mm. feed not the negative yeah. nellies well, speaking of instagram if people want to follow you where can they go uh both instagram and twitter is dan thomas taylor lovely thank wow. you Thanks so this much. This has been for, so great. Yeah. I've li- honestly been so excited to do an episode with with, with, a, a, man. with a man. <laughs> just with a man. It's just been women so far and us talking about yeah. girly stuff. So. And the whole point of this podcast was that we really wanted to do, like, we were fueled by seeing, um, like, there's so much stuff in the media earlier this year about like men's mental health yeah 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 so that really pushed us to this podcast so thank you for being our first man welcome <laughs> the first of many i'd love to come back so yes definitely well oh, we'd love yeah. that maybe i'll cry next time <laughs> <laughs> well it wouldn't be a fast i was starting to tear up a little bit oh, at one point. <laughs> yes <laughs> the it, is, it is like therapy the power of the podcast Oh, oh wonderful yeah. you've been a brilliant guest thank yeah, you so thank much you. for being so vulnerable and yeah sharing your story yeah thank you you're welcome well thank you everyone for listening to Alonius Collaboration Podcast we hope that everyone has a lovely rest of the day and watch out next week for our final end of season finale with some very special guests Woo! cool are we ending on my woo <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yay